Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare, a medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine. He is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Welcome to the clinic. Welcome to another great day here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, and you're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Thank you for joining us as always. So excited to be here uh, that we can be in the clinic and discuss our health, our mental health, our physical health, and our spiritual health, of course. Uh, I'm Dr. Sandoval here, ready to listen and ready to uh, discuss some good Catholic values and, and good Catholic ideals. Uh, before we get started, why don't we get started with a prayer? Uh, we'll say, uh, since this is our Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we'll say uh, Hail Mary, as I like to start our, our shows with. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, here we are again today, listeners. We're in the middle of our Christmas season. And, you know, Christmas, what a, what a great time of year. We're in the middle of Advent here, preparing for Christmas Day. And for, you know, as we go around, we go shopping, we go around town, and we start seeing people put up their decorations and their lights. And it looks so festive and, and wonderful. Um, <clears throat> and why wouldn't it be, you know? What a great time of year. People are always in a, in a good mood or, or trying to go that extra mile for somebody else. Um, it's such a such a great sight to see and really a good feeling, you know? You hear all those different Christmas songs out there, you know? It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, or you hear, um, you know, Joy to the World, and you, we hear all these very, very festive songs. Um, and for us as Catholics, though, we realize that we're, we're preparing for Christmas, and we're very, very happy about Christmas. But we, the season we have before Christmas, we don't call it pre-Christmas. We don't say, you know, oh, let's start the holiday parties as we do, you know, if you're at work or uh, with your with your family. Sometimes there's Christmas parties already before the day of Christmas. There's already a big, a big celebration. Um, and rightfully so, Christmas is a big deal. But for us as Catholics, we start off with the season and we call it Advent. And really, what is Advent? You know, Advent, if we, if we look around, if we look at the church, even though the church is, um, should be decorated, and of course it's going to be a festive decoration, we have something in our Catholic tradition that we celebrate every week of Advent. Um, when we don't use the word Christmas during this time of year, we say it's Advent. Um, and we have something called the Advent wreath. And on that Advent wreath, there's a few candles that remind us that we are preparing for Christmas, but we're doing it in a, in a different way. We're not exactly celebratory. When, whenever I look at the Advent wreath, it reminds me that it, it's not necessarily a celebratory situation, uh, uh, moment just yet. It's not necessarily a time where we are uh, in complete festivity. We wait for that on Christmas Day, but really Advent is a time of preparation. You know, it's a time where we are taking time to hopefully maybe fast a little bit, pray a little bit more, because really what we're doing is we're preparing our hearts for the coming of Christ. And so when we think about it that way, we can look at all the uh, uh, festivities and all the things that are going on, but really we need to be in a time of, of preparation. I wouldn't say morning, nobody has passed away yet or anything like that. Um, but when we look at the parallels, Advent is very similar to the season of Lent. Whenever we think of Lent, we don't think that we're gonna do a big celebration, we wait until Easter. Lent is a time of reparation, of preparation, of getting our souls right uh, to celebrate Easter. 
And I think Advent is much, much the same way. You know, it's a time where we take that time to hopefully be silent, to hopefully take that time before we start our parties, before we start to celebrate the the uh, birth of Christ. Um, we take that time to hopefully be silent and look into ourselves and see what is it that's going on. Um, and so today's show, I call it Silent Nights. And I use the word nights with a K, not nights as in the, the Christmas carol, because like I said, there's so many wonderful Christmas carols that we have. There's so many uh, traditions that we have that really bring us into that that sense of joy, which I think is super important. I mean, how who would not love that? that that's one of the things that we all remember as being magical uh, about Christmas when we were kids. But if we forget that there is a time of preparation here, that there is a time where we might need to take a little moment to be silent. Um, you know, we need to be those silent nights. If we look at the Christmas carol of Silent Night, what we've got to remember is what's happening. Um, what is it that's happening at Christmas? When when did we find out about Christmas? We're, we're, uh, we're very eager uh, to break out the eggnog and to open presents and to talk about, you know, maybe Santa Claus coming and dropping off presents for the kids and what's under the Christmas tree and am I going to get what I was hoping for? Um, but when we start looking at Christmas from a, a strictly Catholic, strictly theological um, tradition, we have to look at what is going on on that silent night. What is really happening? And who are the silent nights? Who are the players? What, what's going on? What is this all about? And what does this have to do for me as a Catholic, not necessarily as a national holiday or a, a big holiday that we put on the calendar, but as a Catholic, what's really happening at Christmas time? Well, let's take a look at that a little bit. You know, if we're going to take a look at when was the first time we heard about Christmas, um, we really need to consider, we can say, well, let's look at the Gospels and see which Gospels cover Christmas. But the reality is Christmas actually was already uh, predicted. It was already uh, told about. We were already expecting it since the book of Genesis, since the fall of man. This is, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what, what God promised for us. He said, you know, after the fall of man, he, he let us know, as he was telling the serpent, that there was going to be an offspring and that there was going to be a, a woman and that there was going to be salvation after the fall. So we already knew that there was going to be a Christmas. Maybe they didn't call it Christmas back then, but we already knew that this was coming and this was going to be important for us because as Catholics, what does this mean? It means that we have a chance to rise above our failings. And why do we have this chance? Because of this babe that came into the world. You know, if you look at medieval times and, and, and some of the portrayals of Christ in the medieval times, Christ has actually been portrayed as a knight, you know, as a knight in shining armor who's coming in to save his bride, right? So what do we see about knights? What do we know about knights in, in medieval times? You know, knights were always going to be up for a challenge and they needed to prove themselves uh, to be worthy to save uh, you know, sometimes it's, they call it the damsel in distress, but usually if you look at movies, if they were going to earn the love of the maiden, if they were going to um, have their bridesmaid, if they were going to earn that wedding day um, that they were hoping for, they had to come in and they had to usually, as they say, slay the dragon. So you would always hear these stories and these fairy tales about knights coming in to slay the dragon. You know, and when we look at the story of Christ, we know that sometimes, and, and during that time, the, the, the people who knew that Christ was coming, the, the Jewish people who were waiting for a Messiah, 
were probably waiting for a worldly knight in shining armor who was going to come in and take over and build a kingdom and have many mansions or kingdoms or, or uh, uh, you know, a whole lot of wealth and bring the people up and there were not going to be any worries or anything along those lines. But Christ didn't come in that way. He came in as a shining knight, that's for sure. But when we look at this and we see the best stories I hear about this, about why did Christ come in the way he did? Well, if you want to know how a story is going to end, you usually want to look at the beginning. And if you look at the beginning of the story, sometimes that tells you, you know, vice versa. Well, I want to know how the story began. Well, let's look at how it ended. You know, you get an interesting uh, uh, perspective when you look at Christmas in, the, in that way. Christ comes in and it was already, where did the story begin? If we said that the story began in Genesis, we know that Christ came to us with a mission. Thank God it's a festive time for us because if we understand what's happening, this babe is going to be born, but he has this mission to come in and save his people, to bring us out of that slavery, just like Moses did in Egypt, to bring us out of that slavery of sin. Because whenever we fall, all of a sudden, we're no longer living up to our inheritance. We're no longer living up to our Catholic values. And Christmas is really a time for us, Advent really is a time for us to start to recognize that we are fallen creatures and Christmas is going to happen for our salvation. And this is a big deal, you know, because sometimes we're looking for that perfect gift. We're looking for all this out, out, um, outer uh, decor, outer decoration and all this happy time. And the reality is when Christ came in, some of the best stories I've heard and some of the things that have made me think the most are Christ came in very silently. He came in quietly as a child because he had to come in behind enemy lines when we think about it that way, we look at the psychiatry of God, we look at, not, excuse me, the psychology of God, how he's thinking about um, how he's going to save us. This is a military operation. He's going to come in and he's looking at the terrain and he knows who his enemy is and what he has to go up against. And he knows that he has to come in silently. He has to come in as that silent knight behind enemy lines. He has to do this in order to not be detected, in order to fulfill the mission, and in order to get us to heaven. Because what we really Christ knows is, as he tells us in, in the Gospels multiple times, don't build your treasure here on earth. Christ knows that I got to come in and I got to get you out of this place where you think you're going to build a kingdom here or you're waiting for us to build a kingdom here. But really the reality is it's got to be very silent. You got, I got to come in silently and quietly because what I'm going to show you is something different something much more important, something much more magical. And I'm going to come in and you might not understand it. You might not understand from your worldly perspective, why would the king be born in a stable? Why would he be born behind, you know, be, not even in a room? And he's a king because something tells me that whatever we have here really is not, not that important. Whatever we have here is temporary. Whatever we have here, if my king is willing to say, look, I'm just going to be born in an inn. I'm probably going to be surrounded by animals. It's not going to be the most comfortable. It's probably not going to smell very good. I'm going to be born in a manger. Um, and so if this is what, this is what I consider important is not necessarily the things of this world. What I consider important is the mission. The mission of Christmas really is for Christ to come and save us. Christmas takes on a whole different meaning in that, in that uh, sense when we start thinking about exchanging gifts and we're happy. But really the question is, what are we happy about? Why is it that we're happy at Christmas? Yeah, I love celebrating with family. It's important to celebrate with each other. It's important to um, recognize each other as, as, as fellow important human beings and, and as family. But all of a sudden we start recognizing that when we're celebrating Christmas, really what we're celebrating is our chance to be saved. 
Christ is that silent knight who came in for us behind enemy territory. And we're going to talk more about how there's other silent knights in this picture, uh, including you. We'll talk more about that when we come back. All right, well, welcome back to the clinic here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. To all of our listeners, a very uh, Merry Christmas coming up. Um, and now, before we say Merry Christmas, as we're talking about, we're celebrating Advent. And we're preparing for that Christmas. We're really preparing in our hearts uh, with our prayers, with our uh, efforts to go receive the sacraments, to really practice our Catholic faith. And today I'm talking about the silent nights of Christmas. Um, you know, we talk about Christmas carols and we talk about decorations and we talk about really preparing our hearts. Um, really, that's what we really need to decorate. We need to decorate our hearts with sacrifice, with prayer, with understanding what it is that we're celebrating at Christmas. It takes on a whole different tone when we look at there is a celebratory, to, uh, celebratory tone for Christmas. But really, when we think about it as the time of our redemption, as the beginning of, our, of, of the incarnation here on earth, the beginning of Christ's time here on earth to save us, you know, that we, I talk about the medieval portrayal of Christ as a knight, as a knight in shining armor who comes in uh, to save us, and he comes in very quietly behind enemy lines. He doesn't want to be detected. He doesn't want to be seen. So what we see, you know, even, even during as Christ got older and during his ministry, he was always telling people after he performed a miracle, don't tell anybody uh, who I am. Don't, don't do these things. He always tried to stay quiet. He, he tried to stay quiet overall. Yes, except when he was preaching uh, uh, of the kingdom of God. Um, you know, when is a knight not silent? The knights, knights, are, knights are silent when they're preparing for battle. But knights are no longer silent in the battle. There's going to be a loud battle cry. And so it's a silent time. It's a time right now for a silent knight. It's a time for silent preparation. You know, a knight's preparing his tools. He's preparing his armament. Uh, he's preparing his sword. He's preparing his, his armor, his helmet. Um, all these things that he's going to use, all these things go into preparation for the battle. And the battle's no longer silent. The battle's very, very loud. But the preparation is always more important. I don't remember who it was one time when they said, you know, if somebody told you that you had to uh, cut it, you had, you know, three hours to cut a tree and they gave you a saw, how would you do it? What would you do with your time? He said, if I had three hours to cut a tree, I'd probably spend about two and a half hours sharpening the saw. It's that preparation before we're going to take action, before we're going to do something. Christ came in very quietly because he was preparing and he was preparing himself and preparing us. You know, that uh, the Christmas Carol Silent Night, one of my favorite lines from that is, with the dawn of redeeming grace. So we read a few lines from there. It says, Silent night, holy night, Son of God, O love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face, with the dawn of redeeming grace. The dawn of redeeming grace. This is where it starts. Always darkest before the dawn. Boy, it must have been dark, and all of a sudden the birth of Christ, the birth of that, that silent night who comes in to save us, all of a sudden he's the dawn, right? It's always darkest before the dawn, but he's the dawn of the redeeming grace. Christ comes into the world, and now we have that chance. Now we have that chance to be saved. Well, how are we supposed to approach Advent? How are we supposed to do this? Because we can say, well, you know, it was Christ's mission to come and save us. You know, of course he's going to come in, and it's very, very smart to come in silently. If he knows the enemy's at hand, if he knows that there are people who are going to want to kill him, even from the start, we saw, we see what happens with King Herod, you know, already afraid of the newborn uh, child. And 
we, when we see that, we, we see that Christ came in and he came into a world of chaos. So what I've been telling my patients lately too is that if you've been feeling chaos, if you've been feeling anxious, if you've been feeling depressed, it's okay. You know, it's a lot of times people say, but it's the Christmas season. We're supposed to be happy. We're supposed to be joyful. Uh, there's something wrong with me because I'm not feeling as happy as I should. I see everybody else out there caroling or, or hanging out with their friends or even still going Christmas shopping or decorating their homes. And I don't feel it. I'm not feeling it in my heart. One of the things I remind my patients is, you know, the holiday season is a very important time, but it can be a very emotional time too. We get together with family and nobody's family is perfect. Sometimes people, you know, we try to live up to this high expectation of, you know, all these commercials we see or portraits of the perfect families getting together with a perfect gift and they have a brand new bow on a brand new car and they drove up to the snow-filled cabin mountains. And, you know, it's, it's, it's this image that a lot of us feel down because we can't live up to it. And it's not realistic. It's a commercial. You know, I'm sure that if we took a trip to the mountains and it was snowy, it would probably be cold. And we try to find something hot to drink and try to get indoors because, it may, you know, maybe it's not as picturesque as, as they make it seem. But really what I, what I remind my patients, it's, it's that time to be silent. It's that time to take that quiet moment for ourselves to be the silent nights. One of the examples that I like to use uh, in terms of when we look at who is the ultimate silent night, if we look at the players of this picture, yes, Christ came into us and he came into the world and he came uh, um, co hopefully coming into our hearts during this Advent season. But another big silent night here is St. Joseph. One of the things that we need to consider, and this is where we can model ourselves, especially I recommend this to all the dads out there. Um, what is it that is important for me during this holiday season? What is it that's important for me to show my family? How do I prepare myself and my family to celebrate Christmas and to bring Christ into our hearts? Well, a lot of times, you know, silence, uh, uh, sometimes as we say, action speaks louder than words and action doesn't require a whole lot of noise all the time. We can be silently preparing for things. Um, if we look at the story of St. Joseph, just a few lines from the uh, Gospel of Matthew, St. Joseph never says a word in the Gospels. He doesn't get a whole lot of credit. Uh, if we look at the, the Gospel of Matthew, the only credit he gets is, uh, you know, he's going to, he has to somehow believe that this child that Mary, his bride-to-be, is carrying um, is truly from God and truly a work of the Holy Spirit. And then he also has to believe that he's got to get up and move and that he's got to he's got to go into exile and that there's a whole lot of chaos and that there's not a whole lot of peace going on you know but if we look at saint joseph's example let's look at the gospel and see what it says so this is the gospel of matthew um and it just says that you know i'm going to just kind of start reading here on the birth of christ now this is how the birth of jesus christ came about when his mother mary was engaged to joseph but before they lived together she was found with child through the power of the holy spirit Joseph, her husband, an upright man, unwilling to expose her to the law, decided to divorce her quietly. So such was his intention when suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream and said to him, Joseph, son of David, have no fear about taking Mary as your wife. It is by the Holy Spirit that she has conceived this child. She is to have the son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this happened to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Now, that's the first time that we hear about uh, uh, St. Joseph. It goes on to say, um, Saint, when St. Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had directed him and received her into his home as his wife. He had no relations with her at any time before she bore a son whom he named Jesus. Now, notice that 
we're not hearing him say much. St. Joseph had to, you know, as a, as a man, what, do, what would it take for me to trust the Holy Spirit that much to say, wow, this is really coming from God? I think St. Joseph understood that if I'm going to believe that this is what's happening from God, I have to take a step back. I have to humble myself and take a step back because this is no longer, I'm no longer in control here. If I'm really going to give things up to God here, I'm going to silently take a step back and I am just going to do whatever the Holy Spirit is guiding me to do. The Holy Spirit already acted on Mary and all of a sudden she conceived a son. And now I have to trust God enough that if I'm going to take this leap of faith, I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to show off about it. I'm not going to tell anybody about it. I'm going to keep it in my heart and I'm going to follow through. This is really what it comes down to. I think that, you know, I don't think we're asked to believe such big leaps of faith in our life necessarily. Now, I don't speak for everybody. Some people might say, well, I had a pretty hard time in my life and I had to take that leap of faith. But I always think, you know, as a dad, what can I do for my kids? At this point, St. Joseph had, I don't know what he was going through. Was he feeling depressed? Was he feeling anxious? Was he feeling worried? Did he feel at peace as soon as he accepted this? I'm not sure. I wasn't there. I'd have to ask him. But what I do know is the action he took. He, did, he made a decision and he followed that direction. That's part of the Christmas spirit is, am I going to follow Christ or not? Am I going to say, this is the way Christ is coming into my life. It might not be the way I anticipated or expected, but I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to allow the Virgin Mary to come in and bring the Christ child into my home. Is this something I'm willing to do? This is the silent night. St. Joseph was a warrior. St. Joseph was a spiritual warrior. We're not going to hear about him going into great battles here on earth. He was a carpenter. But what does he do? This is the spiritual part. This is the spiritual mental part that I like to look at as, as a psychologist, psychiatrist. What is he thinking? He is saying, okay, if this is what I'm going to do, and if this is what I'm going to believe, then I'm going to have Mary come into the house, and I'm just going to live my life every day trusting in God. That's the bottom line. Because this is not going to be easy. People are going to talk. If people find out that this isn't my son, there's going to be a, a lot of conversation about this. Um, and it's not going to it's not going to be pretty. Okay, well, I'm going to trust that this is God. And now God's going to up the ante a little bit. And he's going to say, okay, if this is what, you, you know, you, you've taken it on, you, you've, you've brought the child in and you trust me. Well, now all of a sudden, if Herod is killing the kids and there's danger and you and you hear about this, and on, and in, you, in a dream, in a hunch, in, in, in a way, you get communicated by God and you trust this. And what you hear is, get up, take the child and the mother, and flee to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you otherwise. Herod is searching for the child to destroy him. And then it says that Joseph got up and took the child and his mother and left that night for Egypt. He stayed there until the, until the death of Herod to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. And really, that's what it comes down to. That's all we really hear about St. Joseph. We hear that St. Joseph trusted God enough to take in Our Lady and to take in Christ and to continue to be the husband. Um, that takes a lot of faith right there. That's, that takes a lot to put in our hearts to decide, this is, I'm going to trust God to this, to this level. And then he trusts God further to say, I have to leave everything behind, everything I know, in order to fulfill this mission, in order to make sure that Christ is safe, that, that I'm truly fulfilling the mission of God. You know, I don't know that in, a, in the world we see this happening a lot. We see a lot of refugees. We see people moving around. We see people trying to get somewhere safer. But in our spiritual world for us here, during the time of Advent, do we find ourselves wanting to 
follow Christ to the point where we might be asked to leave behind what we know, the comfort of our the world around us, in order to fulfill something greater. Sometimes that happens, and spiritually what that means is I might have to leave behind some comforts. I might have to leave behind fears. I might have to leave behind anxieties. I might have to leave behind resentments. I might have to leave behind things that I hold on to that, you know, I find actually comforting. You know, sometimes it's comforting if we look at it. Why do we hold on to grudges? Why do we hold on to, um, you know, anger and different things? And we say, I'm not, I've talked to lots of people who really have a hard time forgiving. And they say, I'm not going to forgive that person. They don't deserve to be forgiven. Well, forgiveness comes really from us. It's what we carry inside. Am I willing to consider God telling me, hey, I need you to let that go. I need you to think differently. I need you to get up and go to Egypt and just leave all that behind. It's hard to do because if I'm willing to do that, if I'm willing to prepare my heart that way this Advent season for Christ, that means I'm willing to maybe go on a brand new journey. And we get this chance every every year, every day. We get a chance to leave everything behind and say, no, I'm going to follow Christ. I, and th- it's very hard to do. It's not, not easy to do because it really takes that leap of faith. St. Joseph really took a big leap of faith. There's no question about it. He didn't say much about it. He just acted. Are we willing to do that? You know, St. Joseph, by his actions, got the title of Terror of Demons. We're going to talk more about that when we come back because, as like I said, he didn't say much in the Gospels. He didn't say much in the Christmas story. He just acted. And all of a sudden, he became the Terror of Demons. How does that work in our deliverance ministry? More about that when we come back. All right. Well, welcome back to the clinic here at the Dr. Sandoval Show. Um, thank you for all your support here. I always uh, mention that if you like what you're hearing, if you um, want, feel in your heart to donate to us, feel free to give us a call, give us a donation. Also, if you have any questions, any personal questions, you can always email me at drsandovalvmpr at gmail.com. Um, be happy to answer any questions. If you have any ideas for shows or uh, anything you'd like to hear on the air, also let us know. That's always great to interact with our listeners. Today we're talking about Advent and the silent nights that make up Advent. I love that. Uh, that's one of my favorite Christmas carols. But today I'm talking about silent nights, the warriors of Christmas. And I've talked about a little bit about how, you know, in the medieval times, they portrayed Christ as a knight coming in, a knight in shining armor coming in to save us. And we're talking a little bit about St. Joseph and how he had to be the silent night. He's the ultimate silent night because we never hear a word from him. But boy, he spoke loudly with his actions. You know, from the moment where the angel told him that Mary was going to have a child and and he was going to take care of Mary and the child. And then when he was told again that he needed to flee into Egypt. And then finally, when he's told he can go back to Israel. You know, all these things St. Joseph did, he didn't say a whole lot, but he sure had to trust um, in the Lord and what that meant. You know, one of the titles of St. Joseph Gay, he's a patron of, of many, many things. He's actually the patron of the Universal Church. Um, but one of the titles he gets is Terror of Demons. And why is this so important? Why is this so, you know, relevant to us here as Catholics, uh, especially in the deliverance ministry and in the, in the ministry where we, where we wonder and we think about um, being free from darkness, being free from demons, being free from negative influences. Well, St. Joseph is a great example of this. 
you know, and actually the Christmas season is a great time for deliverance. It's interesting because we don't think about it that way. We think about it as such a festive time um, where it doesn't seem like there's any evil in the world. But again, we got to go back to what was the mission? You know, the mission was for Christ to come and save us. He is the dawn of redeeming grace. And really, what he come, he's coming to save us from all evil. So there's no denying that there is an evil that we have to fight. Um, but one of the things when it comes to the deliverance ministry uh, is that St. Joseph teaches us, very importantly, how we, how we can fight the demons. He doesn't complain. He doesn't, uh, uh, you don't, we don't hear about him saying no. We don't hear about him saying, you know, no, I'm not going to take care of this family. He has to put himself aside and set himself uh, uh, back and say, I'm here strictly for this family. It's not about me at all. It's not about my praises. It's not about anything along those lines. Um, I am here strictly to take care of this family. And I think that that's very important to look at because he ends up with, you know, being one of the most important figures in our faith. We still, I don't think he's at the forefront all the time. He's probably not at the forefront of uh, of all the of the saints as we talk about them or, or see them. For a lot of people, he is an important figure. But, you know, you hear about St. Michael and you hear about different saints and St. Francis and all these different saints. And St. Joseph is the silent partner, but he is such an important figure because in his silence and his humility, this is where we see where the demons are in terror. Sometimes when God gives us a mission, uh, or every one of us has a mission, but as we're doing our mission here worldwide, we always look at when somebody has a mission, they finish their mission and they get all these titles and they get all these accolades and they get all these material goods or, you know, they look for an important rank here on this planet. And St. Joseph is reminding us and uh, letting us know that, no, our mission is to silently go about our business, to take care of our families, to do what we have to do even when it doesn't make sense, even if we're not going to get accolades, even if we're not going to get those titles, even if we're not moving up in the workplace, um, even if we're not going to be recognized in certain ways, St. Joseph is there to tell us all that worldly stuff doesn't matter. What you need to do is you need to fulfill your mission. You need to see what, where did God put you? What did he do for you? What kind of uh, family did he give you? What environment did he put you in? And just follow the calling of God. Follow the, follow the message that God has for you. You know, I was I was listening to uh, um, Father Peter Glass. He is an exorcist from Poland, and in one of his uh, talks, which was very striking for me, um, he said that what he does sometimes in the middle of his exorcism is he has his team start to sing Christmas carols, and he says, you know, we're we're in there and we're and we're praying, and this person might be afflicted by demonic influences. This person might uh, be, you know, holding on to things. And the, the demon's really strong there and, and not letting go and, and, not, and saying that, you know, this person is mine and they're never going to go away. He says, you know, sometimes I tell them to start singing Christmas carols right there in the middle of the exorcism. Pick your Christmas carol. And he's not talking about winter music. We have to make a very big distinction. Sometimes if we turn on the radio and we hear what everybody calls Christmas music, you know, if you turn on the radio, you're going to hear a couple of different things. You're going to hear Christmas music, which really pertains to songs about Christ and about the coming of Christ and the birth of Christ. And then you're going to hear winter songs or what I call winter songs. Songs that we just sing in the wintertime that have to do with snow and that have to do with parties or that have to do with other things related to winter that have nothing to do with the birth of Christ. Unfortunately, sometimes people just call them all Christmas songs. But what he was saying was, start singing Christmas songs. I said, do you know how much demons hate Christmas? 
Do you know how offensive that is to them? Do you know how powerful Christmas is against demons? You start singing Christmas songs because Christmas is the incarnation. He said, if you start thinking about Christmas that way, boy, you sure see it in a different light from all the ornaments and all the, the um, festivities. Christmas is really a super time to attack and battle. It's a super battle. It's when it all started. It's when Christ came in to the, and when St. Joseph um, accepted the mission to the terror of the demons. You know, obviously our lady said yes. Obviously um, that was the key to getting Christ, the, the incarnate God. But St. Joseph in his silence accepted this mission and he becomes a terror of demons because now he's going to care for, he's going to carry out the mission for the family. He's going to care for Our Lady. He's going to care for Jesus. And this mission is going to get fulfilled. He's the one who's going to make sure that Christ doesn't get killed, that Our Lady is safe, that Herod doesn't get his hands on the child. This is so important in the deliverance ministry because if we start thinking about it this way, we start singing Christmas carols. The story of Christmas is really the story of Christ coming into the world and Mary and Joseph trusting God enough to say, we're going to take on this mission. We might not know exactly what we're doing every time. We're going to need guidance from God. We're going to need guidance from the angels that come and, and, guide, and, and tell us where to go um, and what to do as they did for St. Joseph. But we're going to have to take a step back and realize that God is in charge. Really, I think that's what the Advent season is all about. You know, when it comes to deliverance, I've seen lots of times where people aren't willing to let go of things. And in the same way, that Christ came in silently. He came in silently because he understood who the enemy was and he understood how the enemy works. You know, when you're talking about demons and the devil, they don't like to be seen. There's a reason why we call it the occult. A lot of us get, you know, really drawn into, oh, what happened during the exorcism? And, you know, are there any juicy details? And, you know, what happened? Was there any levitation? Or was there the person speaking in different tongues? And you can easily get drawn into that. And that's actually not the most effective way that demons work because once they're seen, they like, you know, there's a reason why we say it's the occult. They don't want to be seen. They like the darkness. Once they're seen, their whole power is over. They know that the time's up, but they're going to start making a fuss, a mess, a, a screaming or anything like that. It's because their time's up because all of a sudden they've been discovered. And now that they've been discovered, we have the tools to get rid of them. We, and, and now they're scared, right? And so this is the humility that St. Joseph showed us that if we follow God's plan, we have the tools to get rid of them. What's harder and what's harder to get rid of is all the quiet ways, the subtle ways in which the enemy will come in and try to overtake us. It's the holding the grudge. It's the, do I spread a little bit of gossip? Well, you know, it, it might be true. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that it's true or not true. I'm just going to tell somebody what I heard. I'm not going to um, let them know that it's true. I'm just going to say, you know, this is what I heard. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's okay because I just kind of had to get that off my chest. It was fun to share. Um, or, you know what? I know that that person did the work, but I can kind of take the credit for that right now and nobody would ever know. And I think that, you know, that's okay because I'm going to move up in the world and I really don't care about that person because I'm going to look out for, for me right now. You know, these subtle ways that we think, oh, I'm doing things that are okay. It's not that big a deal. It's not going to hurt anybody. Um, you know, I'm going to, you know, maybe flirt with that person or, you know, gosh, I see that guy. You know what? His tie's not really uh, put on right. Maybe I'll, I'll go fix it for him. I know his wife is right there, but I, I'll just go fix it for him. You know, I hear all these different things uh, from patients that, in different situations where they've been um, in, in very subtle situations like that, that then they wonder, well, why don't I feel good afterwards, even though it felt good at the moment or it felt like the right thing to do? And that's the subtlety. That's where the enemy wants to stay. They want to stay in that dark area where you don't see them 
and they're acting in a way that you're getting these little influences that I might do a little something that I know I shouldn't, um, but that's okay because nobody's going to know. It's not going to affect us that much. You know, I'll just take a bite of the apple. It's okay. I'm not going to die. Well, that's really where it's most effective. And this is where Christ understood, wow, you work in the shadows. You work in the silence. I'm going to come in very quietly too, and I'm going to beat you at your own game. St. Joseph had the same idea. If I'm going to do this, if, if I'm going to listen to God, if I'm a man of God, I'm going to follow God and I'm going to do it quietly. And I'm not going to trust what my necessarily, my instinct would be. St. Joseph's instinct was, I'm going to not be here uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to quietly divorce Mary. But boy, am I going to be able to listen to God when God tells me, no, that's not the plan for you. I have a different plan for you. Boy, okay. So this is, this is where the deliverance takes place. This is where I fight the enemy where I quietly don't worry about those worldly things and I prepare my heart for Advent, I prepare my heart for Christ and the way I do it is by being silent. I'm going to be that silent night. I'm going to prepare my tools. How do we prepare that? You know, as dads, uh, I speak to the dads out there, as dads, the way we prepare it is we silently prepare ourselves too. How do we get the demon out of our homes, out of our families if there's any chaos, if there's any, you know, question about my kids aren't doing well? I'm not getting along with my spouse. I'm not going to, you know, my, my kids aren't getting along with me. I don't feel like they respect me. What do I do at this point? I want them to be good Catholics, but, you know, I don't know exactly what to do. I think ultimately as dads, all we have to do is silently start preparing and lead by example. How do we prepare? Well, do you ever go and is there a place in your home where there is a, a statue of the Sacred Heart, the Immaculate Heart? Do you have a statue of St. Michael? Do you have a statue of St. Joseph? During the Christmas season, do we set up a nativity? Do we as dads go and pray in front of those statues? Do we um, you know, kneel down and, and pray the rosary? Whether our family's watching us or not, this is what's going to take effect. This is what's happening this Advent season. If I want to bring Christ into my heart, I have to do these things without anybody necessarily even knowing or seeing. But then if they do see, boy, what a big impact. Dad just went over there to pray. Why is dad praying? Is something wrong? Nope. Just praying for no reason. Just preparing for Christ in my heart. When the family sees that, that has sometimes the greatest impact in our Advent season. That's the way that we're a silent night. More about that when we come back. Welcome back to the clinic here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're talking about the Advent season. We're talking about preparing our hearts. And we're talking about how sometimes we have to be a silent night. We have to be a night in preparation for the battle that's to come. Um, and the battle doesn't have to be scary but when we bring Christ with us. And really, that's, I think, what it's all about. You know, we're here on this planet. We're here on this earth for a short time. Um, and we're preparing ourselves to get into heaven. And as we do that, if we think that we can do that without Christ, that's where it's going to be a little bit challenging. This Christmas season, I would say the biggest challenge is, um, you know, especially in a world where there's a lot of chaos, where people have a lot of uncertainty, you know, the, the biggest challenge I would, I would say is finding Christ in all of that, finding Christ in the midst of the chaos and being able to recognize that I still have to walk with Christ regardless of what's going on around me. You know, I don't think that it was simple for St. Joseph to make these decisions and to trust that an angel of God appeared to him and had a special mission for him. That takes a special man to trust that. And it takes somebody um, who says, you know, 
I'm going to trust this. And for better or worse, Lord, if I believe I'm following you, I know that you're going to guide me. And that's a really, really a big deal. I'm talking about the silent nights of Christmas, about Jesus being the silent night, the knight in shining armor who came to us quietly as a baby, innocent and vulnerable behind enemy lines to be the dawn of redemption. You know, as, as that carol tells us, we're talking about St. Joseph being the silent night because we never hear him say a word, but boy, by his actions, does he really make an impact? We see what he does. He takes up his sword, so to speak, and he says, onward, and I'm just going to take care of Christ. I'm going to take care of Mary, and we're going to follow through on this mission for better or for worse. He ends up being the terror of demons, um, you know, as one of his titles. Of course, uh, we can't forget that there is another knight in this picture, um, and the, the, the knight here is Our Lady, who her we refer to as the general, you know, she's, she's the general of the armies, her and St. Michael, you know, guiding us through all this. Mary by her yes, allowing Christmas to happen, allowing salvation to come through her, um, you know, through, through uh, the birth of Christ. Uh, this is all the, the Christmas season. This is what we really celebrate as Catholics. This is what gives us that reason to be happy, to be able to decorate, to enjoy those decorations, not because they're not going to come at a price, not because we're not going to have to struggle, but because we know that now the doors of heaven are open and we have a chance to get there. You know, one of my other favorite Christmas carols is called God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. And one of the important things about that is really that's the one that tells me about the Christmas story uh, of all the ones that I hear. You know, there, there's many aspects of the Christmas story, but God rest ye merry gentlemen. If you haven't heard that in a while, let me read a few lyrics for you. So it says, God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. That's really what it comes down to. That's the Christmas story right there. Now I'm ready to open presents. You know, if I'm ready to, to hear that, um, if I'm ready to understand that this is what's happening, it's not about, you know, all of a sudden presents magically appearing under my tree. That's fun. That's great. I'm ready to celebrate that once I understand that this is what's going on. Let me read that again. So remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. And now the next part, this is where Christmas takes place. This is the Christmas spirit. O tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. O tidings of comfort and joy. Boy, now there can be comfort and joy, right? Now there can be comfort and joy. So Christ was here, Christ was born on Christmas day to save us from Satan's power. That's the bottom line. So if we don't have that aspect, if we don't remember that, everything else just kind of becomes a party. This is where it's easy to see how people think that they celebrate Christmas and they don't need to include Christ. If we don't remember that there is a price to be paid for our salvation, then it's very easy for people to say, oh, you know, let's, let's get into the Christmas spirit. Um, you know, I don't know about Jesus. Jesus goes by the wayside, but there's a, uh, you know, there's a Santa and he's going to bring my kids presents. And, um, you know, we're all going to go out and look at Christmas lights that are beautiful decorations. And we're going to talk about snowmen and we're going to talk about, um, you know, classic Christmas movies and stories and that talk about the Christmas spirit. But these movies don't always talk about Jesus or Christ. You know, these movies don't always talk about what it is that is really happening in Christmas. And this is really what, what matters. This is what's important. This is what we as Catholics really want to remember. Christ was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power. Now we can celebrate. 
now we can light those candles. And now as we light those candles on the, on the Advent wreath, if we keep that in mind, it gives us a whole different sense of what Christmas is. This is why Father Peter Glass can say, hey, let's start singing some Christmas songs because Christ was born to save us from Satan's power. If we start singing true Christmas songs during an exorcism or as a sense of deliverance, um, I think I think the devil's going to run because he's going to remember, okay, this this is how it started. This is how I got defeated. This is when Christ came to us. I tell people, you know, some of my patients, they, some some of them will say, I listen to Christmas music during the year. And I say, I think that's great. I think it's actually great therapy. I think it's actually a great thing to do to listen to Christmas music, to listen to the story of Christmas and the Christ child being born because it brings us joy. Where, where does this joy come from? I think this joy comes from the fact that God knows, okay, this is what's going on. This is the mission that, that comes on and now you're going to have a chance to be saved. And as I do this, as I'm being born for you, it's not going to be an easy mission. It's not going to be something that, you know, you imagine is going to be very comforting. Um, it's not going to be easy to get you to heaven, but I'm willing to go through that for you. I'm willing to sacrifice myself for you because that's how important you are to me. I think that that's where our Christmas joy comes from. Our Christmas joy comes from the importance that God places on us and the fact that God is willing to come and save us himself. And our Christmas is a wonderful season. We talk about the magic of Christmas and we talk about different things that make people feel happy. But really what it comes down to is I think that magic comes from being able to say, hey, I'm going to be able to make it to heaven. I need to follow this child. I need to protect this child. I need to take this child with me. If God is telling me to move in a certain direction, maybe I need to listen to that. Maybe I need to take the time this Advent season to say, what direction is God leading me in? Does it really matter you know, in terms of all the things that I'm looking for, all the things that I'm hoping for. I'm sure St. Joseph had dreams. I'm sure he probably imagined, oh, I'm going to get married and Mary and I are going to have maybe a little house and maybe I'm going to continue to be a carpenter and maybe I'm going to lead a simple life. Or maybe he imagined, you know, I'm going to open up a big business and I'm going to um, have live comfortably and, and, and we're going to have a, a good life that way. I don't know what he imagined. But his life changed. His life changed when Christ came into the into the picture. And I think that that's where St. Joseph is a great example of us saying, am I going to allow Christ to be in the picture and change my life? It's for the better. You know, it's not going to be easy. I might, I might not understand it. I might not understand where I'm going to have to move. But am I going to be that silent night? Am I going to start to prepare myself and my tools? I was talking a little bit about parents and what kind of example we give. I always speak it from the dad's perspective because of course, uh, as a dad, that's my perspective. Um, but when I talk to my patients and when I talk to moms and they ask me, what can I do for my kids? What can I do? Cause I see that they've gone astray. I don't know how to bring them back on the path that I was hoping they would follow. I recommend following by example. Don't underestimate the authority that you have as a parent, the authority that you have over your children and the authority that you have to clear demons out of your house. So as a parent, if you, if you, if you know about this, if you know about the power that you have that God has given us in, in terms of authority, don't be afraid to pray. Don't be afraid to pray in the house. Don't be afraid to let your kids see you praying. Don't be afraid to uh, lead the family in prayer. When was the last time that as a dad we said, hey, let's get together, let's sit down, and let's say a few prayers together, and let's uh, thank God for everything we have. This Christmas season, have you as a dad taken your kids aside and said, hey, let's, let's get the Bible out and let's read the Christmas story and let's look at where it is in the, in, in the, in the Gospels. I believe that there's two Gospels, Matthew and Luke, that talk about the Christmas story. 
when was the last time that you took the time to say, let's read the real Christmas story, not Twas the Night Before Christmas, not all these Christmas stories where we hear the reindeer, you know, walking on our roofs, but let's take a, a, a moment to read about what Christmas is all about. Let's talk about how Christ came into the world to save us from Satan's power. It's a very different conversation to have. It's a very different conversation than to say, hey, you got to go to sleep early because if you don't go to sleep early, Santa's not going to come. I think this is where we have that conversation in front of the manger we set up and we talk about Mary and how she said yes to Christ. And we talk about Joseph and how by his actions he said yes to Christ. And we talk about Christ coming into that picture and really changing their lives around, but reminding us that our lives are here not for us to be comfortable, but for to follow the Christ child. Really everything Mary and Joseph did during their Advent season um, as they were preparing, you know, and, and after, even after, during their Christmas season when Christ was born, was following the Christ child. That's, that's all they did. They said, okay, if this, is, if this is true, this is what's happening. This Christ, if Christ is coming into my life, my life is going to change dramatically, and I need to do everything surrounding the child. All parents know once you have a kid, your life changes. It's no longer about you. All of a sudden, your focus is on that child, caring for that child. The child doesn't even know that, you know, anything that's going on. All they know is that they're not comfortable. They might cry when they need to eat. They might cry when they need a new diaper. And the parent has to do that. And the parent might be talking to the child, but the whole communication there is an action. I'm feeding you. I'm keeping you comfortable. You know, this is what we do. We surround our, our life. We, we focus our life around this child. Well, Christ is born to us. Am I ready to listen to that child? Am I ready to listen to what he needs? Am I ready to quietly step aside, take a step back from myself and be a silent night for Christ? Am I willing to recognize and say, hey, during this Advent season, I think I need to follow this child. This child is coming to me and I think I need to make him a priority. Once I do that, my life's going to change. I might not understand it, but at the end, my, I don't want my reward to be here on earth. I want my reward to be in heaven. This is where I'm willing to open presents. This is where I say, gosh, if I'm going to get a reward in heaven, I think I want to start celebrating. But I don't want to get comfortable. I don't want to start celebrating and thinking, oh, I'm going to get these presents so I can build my world here. No, I'm going to get these presents as a reminder. What kind of presents are we giving during this holiday season? Are we giving the material goods that we think people are going to be really excited about that they forget about a few years down the road? Or can we say, hey, you know what? This year, you know what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to have a mass set for you. You know what I did for you this year? What I did my Christmas present to you was that I sat down and I prayed a rosary strictly for you. That's all I did. I just prayed a rosary and that was my present to you. You know, you know what I did? I went to confession and I got my life straight. And I know that if I do that, it's going to be for the greater good. How am I preparing for Christ? How am I being a silent night, preparing my tools for battle during this holiday season, during this Advent season? You know, it's so, so great to have these conversations, to be able to share this season with you, to all of our listeners. Um, I'm hoping that we have, uh, you know, a very, very Merry Christmas coming up. But in the meantime, let's continue to prepare our hearts. Let's continue to, in our hearts, say, Christ is going to be born, and I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to follow the example of Mary. I'm going to follow the example of St. Joseph. I'm going to follow the example of the fact that Christ was quiet and humble, and that this is not the place where I'm going to build my kingdom. I'm going to become a silent knight, and I'm going to keep fighting for Christ quietly in my heart. Thank you for listening, listening to the clinic here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. As always, I wish you good health, mental, spiritual, uh, and physical. And if there's any questions or if there's any way that you want to contact us and want to hear about different shows, 
don't be afraid to email me at dr.sandoval.vmpr at gmail.com. Until next time, we'll be praying for you.